This is episode number 39 with former Miss USA 1982, Terry Britt. Hey everyone and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Today you're going to hear about one of the most epic Miss USA victories of all time. Terry grew up in Arkansas and she tells her unlikely story to how she went from leaving college to winning Miss USA in a matter of about six weeks. Terry talks about several different relationships that were just not right for her, but how much they informed her about what she did want out of her significant other. In this interview, Terry talks a lot about the power of energy and the power of setting an intention. She talks about how to practice becoming self-aware, and she even mentions a huge moment in her life when she realized how her emotions and her feelings were holding her back from being who she was meant to be. Get ready to learn about how you can begin to take hold of your emotions and feelings and how you can put them to good use. Make sure you share this with your friends, nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And while you're listening to this episode, take a screenshot of it and post it on your Instagram stories and tag me and Terry at carrier underscore best you and at Terry Britt, T-E-R-R-I-B-R-I-T-T. So let us know your favorite part. And if you're not following us on Instagram yet, give us a follow to get more content like this. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on being our best self today with the loving and the passionate Terry Britt. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super excited today with the interview of, with Terry Britt that I have with me today. Terry is an author, speaker, a love expert, energetic healer, and former Miss USA 1982. So I'm really excited to kind of get into some of the Miss USA stuff, but then kind of to get into how you started doing the energetic healing stuff, your coaching, uh, the worthiness quotient, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I uh, appreciate you taking the time with me today, Terry. I'm so excited to be here, Nick. I really am. I love what you're doing. I love that you have a mission that you're trying to bring out the best you and everyone and to see, you know, to just inspire your listeners and your and your viewers. So I love that. We are so on the same page. It's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great conversation then. Um, well, so I want to start briefly with the Miss USA stuff. I feel like I could, can't go too much further without at least starting there. Uh, so tell me a little bit about, you know, the experience in general and maybe what your biggest challenge was or maybe what your, and maybe what your favorite part was. Ooh, well, I can tell you that the way I won Miss USA was not your typical way of winning. I had been in college. I'd been a straight A student, but I followed my boyfriend to school and I wanted to get into broadcasting, but I was so dysfunctional that I followed him to a school that did not have a broadcasting department, <laughs> if you can imagine. I mean, how many of us do that, right? So by the time I got into my second semester of my sophomore year of college, I was miserable. I mean, I was so angry. I put my fist in his kitchen window. <laughs> I mean, oh, my like, Lord. Yeah. I was always looking for him to fill me up. And I was miserable because I wasn't honoring who I was, right? I was just doing what I thought I needed to do to be in this relationship. Well, finally, whew, finally, uh, I was in my second semester of my sophomore year of college, and I was talking to a friend on the phone, explaining to him how much I hated school. He said, don't go back. And I said, I have to. And he says, says who? And I tell you, Nick, in that moment, I just had something wash over me, and I knew that I had to leave school. And you have to understand, I was a person 
who graduated second in my class in high school, who was always the straight A student, always going for, back then it was the 4.0 that we were going after. Nowadays it's God knows what, the 5.0, I don't know. But, you know, that was my whole mission was to be the smartest and the best at everything. And to leave school was huge. So I got off the phone with that friend. I went into my parents. I was home for the weekend before going back for the weekend, uh, going back to school for that week. And I remember saying to my parents, I I can't do this anymore. I I can't continue this. And luckily they supported me. I think it was by the end of the week, maybe within a couple of weeks, I had found someone to take over my apartment. I had moved home and I had found a job selling shoes. Well, I had been in the Miss Arkansas pageant the year prior, made top five, didn't win. I was looking for a break. I wanted to get out of Arkansas. I wanted to, I just knew that I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Well, I didn't win. And I said, that's it. I'm never going to do this again. Well, I was working selling shoes now, uh, you know, when I just left school and the former Miss Arkansas came in, explained to me, she didn't recognize me at first because I had now short, short, short hair. I mean, as short as yours, practically, (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little bit longer on the side. Right. And, uh, and, and I was, I, I lost some weight because I was no longer eating college food. So we're talking and I introduced myself to her again because she, as I said, she didn't remember me. But I, uh, I told her that I wasn't going to be in the pageant. She said, are you going to be in it this year? And I said, no. I said, I was looking for a break. I said, I, w- I thought maybe modeling, acting, something. Well, she then explained to me that a, a um, production company out of Miami had just bought the Miss Arkansas franchise they did commercials. They did all kinds of stuff. So, of course, I, my little antenna go up. Whoa, maybe I need to be in this. So I told my mom. She made my dress. I was also training to sell to timeshares. They said, we'll sponsor you. I literally go into Miss Arkansas, win the pageant. I mean, it was like from I think I left school in February. I'm not really sure. But I won Miss Arkansas in um, I think it was April. And then. Two weeks later, I'm shipped to Miss USA, and then I win Miss USA two weeks after that. So I literally had a few months span of time where I just said, no more. That's it. I'm done. Listen to my heart. And and then my whole world opened up. I mean, it was this huge awakening, but I don't think I really got it at that time. I just thought, whoa, okay, this is cool, right? But here's what's interesting in that moment of winning Here I was, I was always trying to be the best, right? Always trying to win at life. And in that moment of winning, I mean, if you saw my, my, my mouth, it's like the Grand Canyon. It's, it's still talked to about to this day as the the most emotional, outrageous reaction. Cause I'm like, like it was really funny. But what was interesting is that the ego said, yeah, I won. But there was this part of me that said, is this it? Is this it? Right? I mean, it was really interesting to have those mixed emotions. And then the next moment, I felt guilt. Because my boyfriend, who I had put my fist in his kitchen window, we were then talking about getting married. And we had been making all these plans after I left school. Well, winning Miss USA meant I was going to be shipped to New York and he was going to stay in Arkansas. So I felt guilt. Here I went back to my dysfunctional way of being because I thought that's what love was. So that that whole moment of winning was very interesting. But I, I, I forgot to tell you something. I want to share this with you because this was huge. Because here's where a seed was planted that night. 
most girls talk about world peace and most girls talk about, you know, doing something really special to win a title like that. Well, in the top 12, Bob Barker says, what do you do in Cabot, Arkansas, population 4,000 on a Saturday night? And I said, well, and I was really Southern. My voice was, I think, a few octaves higher. I said, well, Bob, in the winter we stay at home, but in the summer we go to Tasty Freeze and we sit on the back of my friend's pickup. He plays the banjo and the guys drink beer and dip a little skull. It's a real good time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I heard it. That was almost word for word. (laughs) And I won with that. I had short brown hair and I won with that. And, and what I realized later on, it took me a while to to really, I guess, to absorb this is that I won by being real. I won by, by being so authentic. Whereas in the past I was always performing. I was always trying to get it right, but it would take me a long time to figure that out. But a seed was planted that night that that said, when you follow your heart and you're real, you're t- standing in your truth, miracles show up. And a boy did a miracle show up that, that night. Yeah. So you talked about the timeline of like stopping school, doing Miss Arkansas. Like all this is over a very short period of time, like that your life changed. A couple of months. Yes. And then, you know, you said you were, did you end up moving to New, to New York? I had to. Yes. Okay. I had you had to. USA, USA. I was shipped to New York. So my boyfriend and I ended up breaking up. Anyway, we got back together eventually down the line and then we broke up again, but we broke up because we felt like it was too hard to be separate because I wasn't going to see him for the whole year. Ironically, I ended up dating Wayne Newton. Uh, A few months later, I met him at the Jerry Lewis telethon. Didn't really have an interest in meeting him, but the vice president of Caesars Palace said, oh, he would like to meet you and Miss Universe. So we walked into his dressing room and there was this, this magnetic spark. I don't know. So we started dating, had this whirlwind romance. Interestingly, the Miss Universe people threatened to take my crown away because I was dating this man who was estranged from his wife. They were not divorced. So I was doing a bad thing in their minds. And what was interesting, here was my dysfunction again, is I told them to take the crown because I was in love with this man. So my whole life was always wrapped up in what the man wanted, what my relationships wanted, not what I wanted. So even though I had won Miss USA, even though I looked like I had all this going on in my world, I was so dysfunctional in how I lived my life. It was, it was ridiculous. So that year was quite interesting. Six weeks before I was to give up my title to the next girl, uh, Wayne says, I love you and I miss you and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And then he didn't call back. So I thought I was moving to Vegas. He had already told me to give my car to my sister that I had won because he had plenty of cars. I mean, it was this really interesting uh, scenario that happened. So we ended up, I ended up seeing him that summer because I was asked to host the preliminaries of Miss Universe. And he was happened to be in the same town of St. Louis, in the same hotel performing at the Fox. So we ended up getting back together and he dumped me again. That fall, that's when I said, that's it. No more. I'm done. So I moved to Los Angeles and got into the broadcasting industry, got into acting, got into hosting. So I, I just said that was it. No more. And, and that's how I made the move from Arkansas to New York and then to Los Angeles, which I lived for 22 years. Gotcha. So you said you were living your life basically for other people, not for yourself. Why do you think you were doing that? 
Like, was there anything about when you were growing up or could, why were you conditioned Absolutely. to live your life Absolutely. for other people? Great question, Nick. Great, great, wise question on your part. Yes, I was raised in your typical American family where mom and dad deny themselves, do everything for the kids, try to make everything okay for them. But it was also expected that we were very good, that we were good girls, my sister and me. We had to be the good girls. And being good meant don't rock the boat, don't don't share your feelings, don't, um, don't make everyone more important than you are, okay? And even though my parents were making my sister and me more important than they were, you know, how they treated themselves, it was really how they treated themselves that we watched. And so mom and dad denied themselves in their relationships. They, I mean, I can remember mom saying, don't tell your dad this. I don't want him to get upset. And my dad would say it all the time. So there was this, this sense of self-denial. Don't be authentic. Don't be real. Deny yourself because this is what equates to love. Well, I was learning very quickly that trying to be good thinking this was loving, I wasn't feeling very loving because that's when I would suppress myself and get angry. So yes, I watched this growing up and I believe when it really came to my awareness is when I got married because I started doing those same patterns over and over again, being dysfunctional with my husband, uh, suppressing myself, thinking this is what was love and then would suppress, 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 and then blow up. I, I mean, I couldn't stand mis- myself as a mother, especially as a stepmom, because my husband, and this was my late husband. We were married for 17 years. Um, he's now been passed since 2007, and I've been married for um, 10 years. So this was my, my first husband. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. My family, it was the awareness of, I am doing these same patterns and programs that my family did, and this is what's creating so much pain and suffering for me. Yeah, well, you know, it does. It sounds like it's it's not a bad thing to be like be caring for other people, right? Like it's it's good to be self or not selfish and and want what's best for other people. So how do you how as a parent can you properly not suppress yourselves and still live for yourself, but still be wanting to look out for your kids and be super caring and be selfless in a sense? Well, selfless means not being of the ego. Okay, so when we're doing everything, trying to to get it right for our spouses and our kids, if you really look at it closely, and I write about this in my book, The Enlightened Mom, but if you look at it really closely, what you're really wanted when you, if you're really honest with yourself, okay, if you're really, really honest, what you're wanting is for your family to love you in return. So it's that is the selfish act. That's the ego. So when you're selfless means I'm letting go of my ego. So selfless means I'm going to honor and love the way I was created. And, and in that unconditional loving space, I'm going to be more loving, but I'm also going to move out of ego and connect to my soul. Now, I had to learn this through a process of schooling that I went through and, and uh, learning about energy. But what I learned is that the more I loved me, the less I expected of others to fill me up. The more I forgave myself of how I thought I was to be in the world and how all the shoulds, I should do this, I should do this as a mom, as a wife, the more I let go of those things and started saying to myself, what is my truth? What rings true for me? Then I stood in that truth and I became more loving. I became kinder. I became more supportive of my family because when I wasn't standing in that truth and when I was living by what I thought I should be, 
I was disconnecting from who I am. I was disconnecting from my soul. And in that disconnection is where I got angry because I was constantly performing for love. I was looking for love out here, which is the ego. Okay. So that is selfish, but selfless, self-full means that I am loving myself and I am, and I'm being kind and gentle to myself knowing that this is my greatest act of service. And I learned that because I remember my late husband said to me, he said, I feel better in my skin right now than I've ever felt. And I said, why? He was this big guy. Okay. And he was, and he was being very emotional. And he said, because you forced me to it. And I'm looking at him going, how in the heck did I force you to, you know, to do this? I mean, he says, how did I do this? And he said, well, you quit caretaking me to find yourself, Terry. He said, it forced me to find myself. And now I feel better in my skin than I have ever felt. And I thought, how profound is that? That this man who I was constantly denying myself like I did in my old relationships, and I started recognizing that this was making me angry. So I said, no more, I'm not going to deny myself. And, And as I did this with every step, the walls of resentment came down between us. Our marriage that had felt like it was faltering came back together. We came back together with a sense of our mission is to be unconditional love for ourselves so that we can have that within our relationship. My kids quit fighting because there was a shift in me and I quit trying to control their fighting. So instead of being in that space of judging them, I just looked at what is it that I judge in myself that is causing me to react to them. So the whole mission in our family became one of let's be in unconditional love. Let's be in this space of no longer in the ego, which means I'm going to perform for you and do everything for you because I want you to love me in return. And instead I'm going to take responsibility for my happiness, for my healing, for my wholeness, for my joy, for my peace. And then I'm going to be that example for you to watch and learn. And that is when I recognized that that was my greatest act of service to my family. And that's to answer your question. It was just understanding that and seeing the shifts and the changes. Right. So, you know, stopping denying yourself and stopping suppressing yourself was able to relieve you of your anger. But I think that's a lot easier said than done. So what does actually stop denying yourself look like? Because like, it's, it's like I said, it's a lot easier said than done. So it's not just like by saying it, you're automatically just going to do it. And just not just being aware of it is going to make you do it. So what are the actual things that you had to start doing to make sure that you weren't denying and suppressing yourself anymore? Well, I first started listening to my feelings because your feelings are your soul speaking to you. So if you're reacting, if you're in judgment, if you're in lack in your mind, if you're always being hard on yourself or being hard on your kids, hard on the people around you. If you're constantly comparing yourself, whatever those lower level emotions are that you are having are your soul telling you that you're out of alignment. So for me, I started paying attention to my feelings and I paid attention to when I was reacting to the people around me. Now, what I was shown is um, and, and I was shown how to do this is that one day I was meditating. I was I just read a book on unconditional love. I'm sitting there meditating. And all of a sudden, little Terry, the little girl inside of me shows up. I see her in my mind's eye. And as I'm sobbing because I've never honored her or loved her or taken care of her, I hear in my ear, get up and write this. This is the beginning of your book. And that was the beginning of my first book, Message Sent, which was really a journal of awakening. 
But for that year that I wrote the book, I started paying attention to when I was reacting to the people around me, when I was being in that, in that judgment. And when I would listen to those feelings, I knew they were a gift. I call it the retrieving the gift of love process. So I allowed those feelings to guide me deep within. And I would talk to little Terry, the little girl that showed up in that meditation. And I would say to her, what's hurting? What's causing you to react this way? Because I knew that if I was reacting to anything, I was living by a belief in my subconscious mind that was not my truth. And so we don't usually know what's in our subconscious minds because our subconscious mind is subconscious, right? It's like it's hidden. And so we don't really know what's going on there, but yet it runs 95% of our life. Our, our conscious mind is only the 5%. So my feelings were my sign to tell me something is wrong. Something's out of alignment here. I would talk to little Terry and ask her, what's hurting? What's going on with you? And then by getting to the belief and releasing it, giving myself permission to stand in my truth, it would shift. And I'll give you an example. And I think this is a great example. So for a couple of years, and this was after winning Miss USA, this was after doing everything. Every time I'd go to the bank, I'd go to the grocery store, I would feel anxiety, what most people would call anxiety. Okay. I felt it as energy because I had been studying energy and, and understanding how it affects because we're all energy. So I'd been studying energy and I, and I felt it as energy, but it really drove me nuts. I mean, I would literally sit there and shake like this when I would go into one of these places. So I started at first I was, I was resisting it and judging it, which is what we often do with our feelings. If they don't feel good, we resist them. We, some people will take an antidepressant. We'll do these things. They say, I don't want to feel this feeling, but luckily I heard in my ear one day, embrace this, see it as a gift. So I started saying, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for this gift. I know that if I am reacting this way, that something is hurting inside of me. So I'm just going to say thank you. It was about two months later, I believe, I was in Office Depot. I was there doing some, some you know, just shopping in the morning. No one was there, and I started feeling this feeling again. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? I mean, it was really starting to drive me crazy. So I leaned over my shopping cart. I visualized little Terry because I had been having this relationship with her now as she'd shown up in my meditation. I visualized her there and I said, what's hurting? What's causing you to react this way? And in that moment, she said to me, in my mind, when I go out into public, I have to act perfectly or I get into big trouble. In that moment, I got to the belief that was causing me to have such anxiety and you know what I did, Nick? I said, I'm the boss now. And if you need to do cartwheels down this aisle to make this go away, that's okay. I didn't have to do cartwheels. What I did in that moment is I took back my power. I took back the authority of my life. Instead of trying to be good and instead of living by that rule that you have to have perfectly when you go out in public, I got to the core I released it by saying, I'm the boss. Now you can do cartwheels down this aisle. And you know what, Nick? It went away. That feeling I had every time I went out into a public place went away just like that. Mm. That's how you get to the bottom of it. You follow your feelings and see what is the belief I'm holding on to and, and what is the truth? Because a lot of times we have beliefs that we took on that we don't know they're running our lives. But we took them on since childhood. I mean, I was raised in a family that was very strict. 
I, after winning Miss USA, I had a woman come up to me and say, I'm not surprised you won Miss USA. When you were a little kid, your dad would just look at you and you would, you would freeze. So there were very strict guidelines in our household. My parents both had been um, abused somewhat as children. And so they believed that the better that, and I say abuse, they just had a lot of corporal punishment. Uh, and that is abuse now we know. But for them, they luckily weren't doing the physical punishment, but they were very strict because they believed that this is what was going to bring me love. They did it out of good intentions, but what they didn't realize is that as they were trying to make me be good, they were telling me to separate from who I am, to separate from my soul. And for me, Nick, when you separate from your soul, you separate from God. For me, putting God first now is what I understand is when I honor and love the way I was created and, and I'm in unconditional love and kindness and compassion and forgiveness for myself. And that is where I put God first. And that's where I become my best me. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And so cool that you were able to kind of have that, that awareness of how to properly like ask yourself the questions and how to properly talk to yourself about figuring out what the emotions and feelings where they stemmed from but I don't think a lot of people are necessarily that fortunate to all to have that little Terry that person to talk to to figure out why they're why the certain thoughts and why certain feelings and or certain energy is coming their way so how how do you coach people to try to figure out where emotions and where feelings are are coming from and where their root stems from well it's interesting because one of the parts that I, I, I would like to share with you now is when I discovered that I had some anger issues, because I really, I had anger issues, but I wasn't, just like you said, I wasn't paying attention to them, right? I would get, I would blow up, especially with my late husband's step, stepson, who was five at that time, and he's now in his 30s, late 30s. So I didn't understand what was going on. I just knew that I was angry all the time. And I went to take this course and the, the guy says, the teacher says, oh, so your story is anger. And I went, what? I didn't even realize that my story was anger. So I had to get in touch with how do I react to the world, right? And it was a, it was huge. It was way my, it blew my mind. Was this but at ClearSight? You know, do what would you say? Was the professor at ClearSight when he when he told you this? No, this was this was I was taking Landmark, um, a class at Landmark Forum, and 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 this is just a self help organization out in Los Angeles. I was living there, and I was taking this class, and 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 I started getting angry because he would say nobody was raising their hands, and I'd been raising my hand all morning, and and it was a it was it was a way to get us to get the feelings coming to the surface. Well, finally he calls on me and I blasted him because <laughs> that's what I did. And he says, Oh, so your story's anger. He called me on my story. I didn't even realize huh. that that's where I went to. So what you just said is so accurate, right? Is that we don't know where we're going to. And I mean, I think for some of us, especially for as me as a mom, I had so much mom guilt because I didn't want to be angry. I think as a parent, we do start recognizing some of our feelings and what we're doing. We're just not sure what to do with them. We don't know why we're doing this. And, and this is what I learned. So, so dear, after that course, my dad got sick. And, and as a kid, I attached myself to my dad because he at least would say, you can be anything you want to be. He, he had his rules, but he would say, you can be anything you want to be. So I attached that because I felt really, really positive. But then I saw my dad lose everything in 
bankruptcy. He became an alcoholic. And by the end of his life at the age of 54, he died a broken man of lung cancer. So I, I, I had really attached my, myself to him as a kid. Dad's way was the right way. So as, and, and also it's because what was shown in our household, kind of like what I'd done with all the men that my mother gave her power to daddy. So that's just what I did. So I get into therapy and the therapist said, you're wound really tight. You need to get into meditation. I end up at a healing school about an energetic healing school, learning about meditation and then energy. And then I switched schools to another school that was called Clear Sight, which one you mentioned. And Clear Sight, it was, I was in their clairvoyant program, which was their energetic healing program, which means that I was learning to see intuitively, which we all have the gift of either hearing, seeing, feeling, but to see the energy of where people were blocked. Our goal was to move their blocks out energetically because we are all energy. Back then, all they were saying is we are now, we're all energy. But now we know scientifically through quantum physics that we really are all energy. We're about 95% energy. So what was interesting is in that class to, to start clearing out someone's energy into their blocks of what were keeping them stuck from living the life they wanted to live. We would be scanning their energy and then where we reacted, okay? So where we reacted meant that we had a matching picture. And so the teacher would say, when you can't see any longer, because now you're no longer in neutrality, that is your cue to go within and look at yourself. Go within and find the matching picture that is similar to the person that you're reading. So if you have a matching picture, like they have some pain story then if you have a pain story, you're going to get what I call being lit up. So you'd go within, clear it out, and then come back and read neutrally. Well, every time I would do that, I felt more joyful. I felt more peaceful. I felt more loving. And then that's why I was shown through talking to little Terry and through, through uh, seeing the shifts in my family that this was a path of recognizing how we can how we can shift our lives through our outer world and my family just happened to be it because I was a full-time mom. So what I learned is that every time I reacted to something, every time I reacted to my kids, to my my partner instead of being in that victim mentality of you're doing this to me, I knew from my old classes that these that this reaction was actually a trigger. It was an energetic trigger that I was matching in this situation that needed to be released. It was being called to be released. Now what we know scientifically is that everything is energy and that your thoughts create feelings and your feelings then create thoughts. It's kind of the spiral, but those feelings are calibrated and they actually have an energetic vibration. So if you are in anger, if you're in judgment, if you're in shame or guilt, you run a very, very, very low vibration and so you attract situations to you that feel hard. Now we also know that it, it's, uh, and John, um, or Dr. David Hawkins did the map of consciousness in his book, Power Versus Force, and, and he calibrated all these emotions. He said that at the point of 200, which is the point of courage, is where we start bringing life force energy to us. So what I started recognizing is that when I was courageous, giving myself permission to pay attention to my feelings, pay attention to my reaction to situations, to go within and heal the beliefs that were causing my pain and suffering, 
that I would then shift my vibration to a higher vibration and my outer world would shift. So a, a few minutes ago, I said something about my kids quit fighting. When they quit fighting, what happened was is I was watching them one day. They were fighting. And I said, okay, what am I reacting to? Because I wanted to control it. As a parent, I wanted to control it and make them be peaceful, make them do the right thing. But instead, because I was now had learned all of these these um, these tools around energy and beliefs and and how they affect us and vibration, I said, okay, I'm going to look at myself. So I went within and I looked at little Terry. I said, what's hurting? What's causing you to react this way to your kids? So she says to me, you can't fight. You can't have a different of opinion, difference of opinion. You'll get in trouble. Well, again, I took back my power and I said, I give you permission to fight. I give you permission to argue. You have my permission to have this voice. Well, as soon as I did that and I released this energy, I released the belief. I, I do what's called a soul retrieval. I called back my voice and I just said, I'm giving myself permission. And I just brought back that energy inside of me of feeling, yes, I am empowered. I, it's okay. It's, it's good that I have this voice. As soon as I did that, Nick, my vibration shifted and my kids no longer were matching me. They watched me become this example and they quit fighting. I mean, it was so profound that this is when they were little, but my kids are now in their mid to late twenties and depending on which kid, but my youngest one, when she was 19, I heard her tell someone, my sister and I used to fight all the time. And then one day it stopped. I don't know why it stopped, but it stopped. Well, I know why it stopped because when I shifted the vibration and moved into unconditional love, my kids shifted. So our outer world is our greatest gift. If it, if we'll pay attention instead of staying in that victim mentality or staying on antidepressants because we don't want to feel or, you know, just being angry all the time and, and then blaming everyone. If we'll see those feelings as a gift to show us that we are either in alignment because you're, if you're in alignment, you're joyful, you're peaceful, you're, you're, you're feeling like you're in a flow. And if you're out of alignment, it means that there's a block there, that there is an emotional block that is keeping you at a low vibration. So you're going to attract these things to you from your outer world. So your outer world is absolutely a gift showing you whether you're in alignment or whether you're out of alignment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, I like what you said, that the outer world is a gift to you because I feel like so many people who, I, I just have had conversations a lot with people who feel like they're so much in their head and they think too much about what they're thinking about and they're not, and I feel like they would say their outer world is like their enemy just because it gives them so many different thoughts and feelings and emotions. Like, and then they get so caught up in their head. So like, what would you tell to somebody how to properly channel that energy of all the thoughts that somebody might be having and running through their head? Is it asking themselves like just where it's stemming from? Well, first off, it's recognizing, Nick, that when you have all those thoughts in your head and you're feeling like you're pulled in 10,000 different directions, the chances are you're performing. You're performing for love and approval. So you have to make a commitment to stop the performance saying no more. I'm choosing unconditional love because this is your greatest act of service. Mm -hmm. When you choose unconditional love, you are saying I'm no longer going to be in judgment of myself. And because you ch choose that, the judgment towards others will, will start just dissipating. And it's amazing. So you become a peaceful a peaceful messenger in the world. That is your greatest act of service. So it's about recognizing one, am I performing? 
Okay. Am I performing as if that's what's going on in my mind and then recognizing which, okay, which are the thoughts are standing out the most? What is that thought? And, and what, it, how does it make me feel? So then take the feelings of what's going on and allow those feelings to guide you back as far as you can. Okay. Go back as far as you can. I remember saying to my late husband, you're taking away my power. He says, you're not, I'm not taking away your power. You're giving it away. And it was a shock. So I had to look inside and see, what is this about? And I knew that as a child, I was taught to give my power away to my dad. You know, that was, that's what you had to do. So it's, it's about making a decision, one, to commit, to heal, to taking responsibility for your life. I, I like, I have a little acronym. It's called clean out the crap, C-R-A-P. And so if you can think of C as, as, uh, committing, committing to healing or taking full responsibility for your crap. A is going into awareness of, of how you're reacting to the world, of how are you joyful, are you not joyful? And then P is giving yourself permission to stop the performance and be the authority of your life. That is how we go within. And so, like I said earlier, it's about recognizing your feelings, allowing your feelings to take you back in time to the original belief, talking to that little kid inside of you. This is about becoming, even for men, the divine mother, because we have been in a masculine, uh, uh, very ego centered energy for many, many centuries. And what's be, what's happening right now, and I believe it's happening from the Me Too movement as a part of it, is where women are finally saying no more that we are worthy of of being loved, nurtured and valued for who we are. We're worthy of having a voice. We're worthy of doing this. But we're the ones who have been suppressing this. So if we can look at this as being the divine mother to ourselves, even for men, because men are needing this energy, women have been suppressing, suppressing, suppressing our intuition, our, our kind and gentle way and trying to be like men, like I did. Remember how I said I took on my dad's energy because he was the one that was valued in our home. Well, this is what we women have done. We valued the men. We're being good. When the Me Too movement happened, you heard so many women saying, well, I suppressed it. I didn't want to lose my job. I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I could say anything because that's much, chances are they were taught to be good. Right. And, and so what we as women are, are doing right now is we're saying no more, we're taking a stand, but it's not just for women, it's for men too. And the reason I say that is because we've been in this driven poverty consciousness Okay, where everybody's performing, everybody's trying to get it right, do it right. They're suppressing their feelings, they're suppressing their pain. And we all need to go into that space. And I want to explain to you why. So as we come out and we start having our voices and we start listening to our intuition and our inner wisdom, what happens is, is if we'll take that time and we stop the performance, is that we start getting guidance. We start, our souls start guiding us. God starts guiding us, however you want to call it. Our souls start guiding us. And in that guidance, we move into a divine flow. So every time you chip away at something that you're reacting to in your outer world and you move deeper into your truth, you raise your vibration. And what happens energetically is you're moving from lack to abundance. So see, when we're performing, if and this is what you were talking about, the worthiness quotient earlier, when we're performing, when we're trying to get it right, do it right, be good, we are actually saying, I'm not enough. I don't matter. My feelings don't matter and everyone matters more than I do. So what we do is we continue the performance. And as we stay on that perpetual hamster wheel and we keep doing this, 
imagine a column over here. We we sit in this column, which is broken down, and this is a low worthiness quotient. And and so like I did, as I told you earlier about my anger and my judgment and my pain, is that I stayed in a low worthiness quotient. So I attracted things to me that didn't feel good. I attracted, you know, yeah, I attracted Miss USA, but I attracted men in my life that, that weren't treating me the way I needed to be treated. And, you know, this was years ago. And as I started loving myself, it shifted. So you have different aspects in your life. But over here in this low worthiness quotient, you, you suffer. And so we think that to be it good is loving. But when you're suffering, your pain gets taken out on the people around you. That's when you blow up. That's when you're angry. And in this low vibration, you attract things that are hard. So you attract things in life that feel like punishment. Say, for instance, you're trying to create a great career. And instead of giving yourself a voice in the workroom, maybe you're in a corporate situation. And instead of giving yourself a voice, you're suppressing yourself because you think that's what it means to be good. And so I'm just going to work really hard. But then you keep getting passed up for that for that that raise or that job promotion. And you can't understand why it's because you're living from a belief that says I have to keep performing and I have to be good and I have to do it right. Rather than saying, I just need to give myself a voice. I need to speak up, which would be breaking the rules, right? That would be no longer performing. And so we stay in this low worthiness quotient and we attract that same stuff that feels like punishment. But it's when we say no more, I'm going to give myself a voice I'm going to love myself. I'm going to treat myself as if I matter. I'm going to nurture myself. I'm going to listen to my intuition. I'm going to listen to my wisdom. We cross this divide of lack and we go into a high worthiness quotient. We move into alignment with our souls. And you have to think of this as prosperity consciousness. Over here in the low worthiness quotient was poverty consciousness. But when we move over here and love ourselves unconditionally and start giving ourselves a voice, say what we want, um, give ourselves a break because in our world, we've been so attached to that, that, that warrior energy of, of pushing, 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 pushing that, you know, we're all suffering. We're all uh, falling off this hamster wheel because we're exhausted. But when you listen to your intuition and you come over here and you start saying, okay, I'm getting a hit that I need to go talk to my boss, or I'm getting a hit that I need to go put a resume out, or I'm getting a hit that I need to talk to my husband and share with him how I'm feeling. What you're doing is you're now moving into a divine flow. You're raising your vibration. So now you attract things that are at a higher vibration that feel loving and kind. So this is what we're missing. We've been in this world where it's all push, push, shove, shove, and everybody's trying to compete and be the best. When to be the best you, you have to give yourself permission to get off of this hamster wheel to stop the performance love yourself unconditionally, nurture yourself, be that divine mother to yourself, listen to your intuition and move into this high worthiness quotient. So you open up and receive things that match this higher level energy. So I'm sure you have been coaching people a lot who have this worthiness quotient issue, if you will, um, for lack of better terms. Is there a number one, like most common question that people ask you when you're like maybe in the first coaching call that you have with them? Like, is there something that, or just like a common theme that people come to you with that, that you're like, yep, like I heard that several times before. Yeah. It's what's wrong with me. People always think something's wrong with them, which then puts them back on that low worthiness quotient, perpetual hamster wheel, because then they're trying to prove their worth over and over again. 
And the reality is, is there's nothing wrong with any of us. We are divine. We are, we, we make up the body of God. If you're biblical, it says we make up the body of Christ. We are all part of this energy. So there's nothing wrong with us. But as long as we think we're bad, as long as we think that we're doing something wrong, we're going to stay at that low level energy. So worthiness is recognizing that you have a gift, maybe many gifts, that you are enough, that you're human, that that you are worthy of making mistakes and that it's okay because those mistakes can be your greatest teachers if you'll look at it that way. So yeah, it's what's wrong with me is what I hear a lot. Wow. Yeah, I feel like I th- I think uh and I think a lot of times now nowadays that's also brought upon from social media and oh, a lot ooh. in the sen- a lot well in the lot in the sense that like everybody always puts like the best thing out there um whether it's social media or whatever it is everybody sees like the glamour and nobody sees like any kind of hard work or any of the bad things that go on behind the scenes so they think because I'm having bad stuff that that person's not so what's wrong with me so i feel like a lot of it's kind of brought on by that as well you're so right you're so right nick and that is so right on the nose which makes life so much harder for everyone why we're seeing suicide rates and depression i mean gosh i mean i don't even know what the numbers are now on people taking antidepressants because they're saying what's wrong with me why can't i get ahead why can so and so have it all but i can't and the reason that maybe so and so can have it all is maybe because they have a little bit more permission level to be who they are to to, to shine their light, to, to rock the boat, to break the rules and, and to, to go after their dreams, to take risks. But we get so caught up in our world of being in that safety net of if I, if I don't conform to what everybody else wants, then I'm going to somehow suffer. I'm going to somehow struggle. And I don't want that. That's scary. People see the world as scary. I think we have to see the world as love, that everything is an emanation of God and that if it looks bad, it's just showing me what I need to heal inside of myself. Mm. So you had a number of, real, or a couple of relationships at least that you said were not the best for yourself. Uh, a lot. And, <laughs> I had quite a few <laughs> back, way back when. <laughs> right, right. So, but but now but now you feel like you you know you on your you're called a love expert, right? So how do you uh, how do we so how does somebody go about? finding the right partner like like what what kind of questions do you maybe need to ask yourself or do you need to ask somebody else in order to to determine whether or not they're the right partner well it's interesting because a lot of times i've been doing a lot of a lot of people have been asking me these questions lately um about relationships so i um what for me what i did and this is what i taught my daughters as well is that every relationship is an opportunity to see what you want and what you don't want, to start creating some strong boundaries of what feels good to you. So when I finally met my late husband, it felt pretty good, even though I was still performing. Interestingly, as I started shifting and he started shifting, we really moved into a dynamic, amazing relationship. The one thing that was missing, though, was passion. I felt like we had lost our passion. Well, he ends up dropping dead of a heart attack. But right before this, he had had uh, prostate cancer. So I was working on a vision for myself of what I wanted my marriage to look like, passionate, dynamic, full of life. And I realized, you know, if I'm wanting this, what do I, what do I have to do is I have to look at where am I blocking this? And I realized that as a good girl, I didn't have permission to have passion. So 
here I was and clearing out all these beliefs around passion and, and what that looked like. Well, lo and behold, my husband dies. My husband now showed up on the doorstep the next day. I barely knew Charlie. Uh, his daughter was on my daughter's dance team. I knew his wife had killed herself. I, that's all I really knew. I maybe had two conversations with him ever saying, hey, how are you? That was it. He shows up on my doorstep, says, let me support you through this. I'm like, okay, what, a, you know, I didn't really know what I needed support with, but he became a huge support. But a few weeks later, he shows up on his Harley and he's got his little sleeves rolled up and he's full of life. And, and that day passion arrived. And, you know, that was like, whoa, okay, I need to pay attention to this because you have to understand my husband had had prostate cancer and then I had mourned for three years. So when he dropped out of heart attack after beating the cancer, I was ready to live. I was a 45 year old woman and I was ready to live. So here comes Charlie and whoa, I'm living. So what I learned through that process and, and, and Charlie and I have an amazing relationship and he will tell you, he said, he said to me a couple of years ago, he said, I knew you always loved me, but until you taught me to love myself, I couldn't receive your love. And now I do. So we, as even our wedding day, we took a stand for unconditional love. We brought it up in our, in our, our vows to each other that this is what we were doing. We were creating an enlightened family and an enlightened family is to constantly learn from one another and grow and expand. So I just, you know, from, for me, I've created this amazing relationship and I'm going to tell you now how I did that. One with each relationship that I had gone through, instead of feeling like I was the problem or, you know, what was wrong with me? I don't know how I knew to do this, I just started looking at what can I learn from this relationship. I did this long before I ever learned about energy. It was just what was good about that one? What did, what am I willing to put up with? What am I not willing to put up with? So I started creating boundaries. And through each process, I looked at what is it that I want in a relationship? By doing so, if you'll write down the bullets of what you want, really get in touch with your feelings. Like I've, I've talked about relationship stuff through here. I've talked about how, how you want to be. Do you want somebody who, who is willing to commit to learning and growing with each other instead of blaming each other? Do you want someone who's going to commit to unconditional love because that's what you want? So you, you put that down and you write your bullets down of what you want. Do you want that, that it's going to be a passionate relationship? Do you want that that you laugh a lot? Do you want that you cuddle a lot? What's your love language? Do you like to be touched? Do you like to, to have quality time? You know, write down everything that you want. And then here's what you do. You go down each bullet that you've written down. I love to do this. Put your hand on your heart, put your finger on the bullet, put your hand on your heart and say, do I believe I can have this? Do I feel worthy? I can have this. And if you have any kind of doubt that is your sign that you have a trigger in your subconscious mind that says you're not worthy of having that. And that is not the truth. Because if your heart is writing this down, your soul is telling you this is what you deserve. So you're incongruent. Okay. Your incongruency is my soul is telling me I can have this. My mind is saying I cannot. So that's when you want to go in and clean up the belief and say, okay, talk to the little kid inside of you. What is the belief you're holding on to that says you can't have this in the relationship? And as you do this and you go down and you go down and you go down and you clear out each one, what you're doing is you're raising your vibration because when you're wanting this relationship, that relationship sits at a vibration. But if you have beliefs that block you, your vibration is down here. 
until you get your vibration up here, you're not going to have that relationship come in. So your goal is to do this work, to look at what is it that I really, truly want. I don't want to perform in the relationship. I want it to be a learning and growing and, and forgiving and kind and compassionate thing. You know, get really clear on what you want. And then like, for instance, if you want it to be compassionate and you write that down and you have some doubt, then you have to ask, can I have a compassionate relationship? Am I really compassionate towards myself? How can I start being more compassionate? So these, these are some of the things that you can do to start shifting your vibration. That's so cool. But the question I want to ask now is, I start off by asking the age question. So how old are you currently? I'm 57. 57. Okay, cool. So 10 years down the road, you're going to be 67, inevitably. Uh, so what does 67-year-old Terry Brett look like? What have you done and what are you currently doing? Ooh, I haven't looked out that far. I try to stay fairly present, uh, but let me just kind of check in with myself. Um, at 67, there will be a new consciousness on the planet about, uh, about leading with love. And that's my, my global community is called Women Leaders of Love. And it's, it's really that I will have made a huge impact on women. It's like a new women's movement of not trying to be like men, but instead being the intuitive, wise women that we are who take time to go within and set this tone for others to watch us and learn because that is our act of service. So it's really getting that concept that love is, is loving yourself so that you become that expression. That's what I see doing. I see, um, coliseums. I see books, um, I've had TV show people talk to me in the past. I've had, I mean, like even assign me a writer to have my own show. I wasn't ready for it then. I would love to do a show where I see where it's more of a group where we're working to talking together and just bringing a new consciousness onto the planet. But it's fun and, you know, a lot of laughter. So those are the things that I see for myself. That's awesome. Well, before I ask the last question, I want to acknowledge you, Terry. I think your ability to be able to go within yourself to talk to little Terry over and over again, like you've mentioned here in this interview, is was so cool for you to be able to take that step back and figure out where your feelings and emotions were coming from. And it, obviously, it's not just like an instant process. It takes time. And for you being able to stay committed to that process and your, you know, your four step or your four pillars or however you, however you phrase pillars. it, mm -hmm. of the, uh, but but then of like commitment. Um, oh, oh, you just about cleaning out the crap. Yes. <laughs> commitment, responsibility, awareness, permission. Uh, I think for you always to go, go back to those to help you through kind of whatever emotions, whatever feelings you're having. I think that's uh, so cool. And I think it's proved so powerful in your life. And now you're uh, helping other people out with that same process. So that's so, so cool. Thank you so much. You know, I love this and I love, I love that I've been on this journey. And let me tell you, there's been a lot of highs and lows, but when you start recognizing that if you commit to unconditional love, that everything that you're walking through is an opportunity for you to serve. So when my kids, for instance, go through something really hard and they want to go into the victim mentality, immediately I will invite them into the conversation of what is this teaching you? How can you shift this energy so that you can serve others and help them grow too? And just that, that creates a sense of purpose to your life so that you can, so that you can move forward. 
Mm -hmm. Well, I know everybody's going to be super moved by this episode and want to learn a little bit more about you. So tell us how we can best support you, where people can find you, like your website, your monthly call, the different books that you've put out and all that kind of good stuff. All right. Well, um, first off, I want to invite anybody who's listening to go take the worthiness quotient quiz. It's really fun. It looks at all the different aspects of your life. Just go to terrybrit.com forward slash quiz. And Terry is T-E-R-R-I and Brit is B-R-I-T-T.com forward slash quiz. And um, if you're a woman and this really appeals to you, grab my Women Leaders of Love ebook. My It's my worthiness quotient breakthrough bundle. It's free. It's terrybrit.com forward slash leaders. Um, my book, The Enlightened Mom, actually won Best Spiritual Book of the Year at New York and San Francisco Book Festivals. You can get it on my website at terrybrit.com, on Amazon, all those different places. Message Sent was my awakening. Um, there's, I've got programs on my website. I've got books. I've got all kinds of stuff to help you really become that loving, nurturing energy towards yourself so that the world mirrors this back to you, that you deserve, deserve to be loved, nurtured, valued, and acknowledged, but you have to start with yourself. And then my radio show is called Terry Britt's Leading with Love. You can catch it on my radio page at terrybritt.com forward slash radio on iHeart, iTunes, uh, Spotify. So it's just Terry Britt's Leading with Love. And this is, you know, weekly guest. Um, what else? Have I missed anything? I think that is that everything? I don't know. You, you, uh, <laughs> you hang out on social media. Do you have any social media or anything? Oh, social media. Facebook as Women Leaders of Love. Um uh, my Instagram is Terry Britt. Um, those are probably the two that we use the most. LinkedIn is Terry Britt. So yeah, um, please join us on Facebook on our women leaders of love on Facebook. We, that's where we do most of our activity because there's so many women on Facebook. So that's where we put a lot of our influence there to, to really uh, inspire you to, to, you know, lift you up, give you tools, give you information that will help you become that woman leader of love. Awesome. I love it. Well, the last question I always ask um, is has to, has to do kind of what we talked about uh, before we hopped on the show, that it's a, becoming the best version of yourself is a very unique journey, and I believe it's a constant journey. I don't think we're ever at the best version of ourselves. Hopefully, on our last day, we can take our last breath knowing that we got as close as we could have. Um, but so what I want to ask for you personally is if you could currently do or work on three things to get closer to the best version of yourself, what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Well, every day is a day of working deeper into unconditional love and loving myself. So I'm always paying attention to my reactions and to my feelings. Where am I joy joyful? Where am I not? And so that is my number one commitment, no matter what. I am here to evolve and to move into unconditional love. That is my sole purpose. So that is it. Uh, the more, the second thing for me is to keep giving myself full expression of my voice. I have a tendency to shut it down at times, uh, just out of fear because sometimes, you know, I was ra raised to some of the things that I do, my intuitive work and my, I was raised that that was wrong. And so I'm, I'm constantly chipping away to, to love myself unconditionally, knowing these are my gifts to help people move through their blocks and to talk about energy and healing, which some people, it scares them. So that is a continued commitment. But again, it goes back to unconditional love. And the, the third thing is to always let more fun in my life. Because when you're in the high vibration of fun and playfulness, that's when you get so many downloads. And that is fun for me. So those those are the things. <laughs> awesome. Well, those are great three. That's all we got. I appreciate your uh, your time, Terry. Thank you so much, Nick. This was a great, great 
Great show, great questions, and such a wise young man you are. <laughs> but thank you for having me on. It was great fun. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it with one friend or family member. Just take the link from the podcast or text them. Hey, check this out. NickCarrier.com slash podcast, and it'll take them right to the episode. Guys, we want to spread this message. If you know anyone struggling in a relationship, someone struggling with some anger issues, someone who needs to love themselves more, maybe a Miss USA contestant or any pageant contestant, really, send them this episode. To learn more about Terry and everything she is up to, go to terrybrit.com. You can find her worthiness quotient quiz on her website and learn more about her coaching there as well. Any of you women out there, go grab her Women Leaders of Love ebook and her award-winning book, The Enlightened Mom and you can join the Women Leaders of Love Facebook group. Go check out her radio show, Terry Britt's Leading with Love, on all the podcast outlets. Remember to love yourself unconditionally. Give yourself full expression to your true authentic self and allow fun into your life. Terry is such an inspiring woman who has found some great ways to help herself out through her struggles and has now found an amazing way to share all those lessons with everyone she comes into contact with. But now you know what time it is. It's time to go out and upgrade yourself today to get closer and closer to your best you